I'm Caroline, a yoga teacher with a special interest in menopause based in Edinburgh. And hi, I'm Dr. Claire, a GP with a special interest in menopause based in North London. Together, we are the Menopause Sisters and we're here to guide and support you through your menopause journey. And today we would love to introduce you to Moira. And Moira Forsyth is a Ayurvedic practitioner, but also a yoga teacher. And actually, I came across an article, Moira, didn't I, in a recent Yoga Scotland magazine. There was a theme around taboos um, and Moira had written an article around menopause and how Ayurveda can support perimenopause, menopause, this transition in inner women's life. And I immediately had to drop her an email and say, would you be interested in being a guest on our show? Because actually this is a holistic approach we like to take on this show and I thought it'd be wonderful just to tap into your knowledge Moira and a little bit more. Um, You studied in the UK but also in India as well where um, you qualified and you continue as we always do with a learning journey and continue under Dr. Aaron Sharm. And I wondered actually where Dr. Aaron was based. That's what, that was one of the first questions I was going to ask you, Maureen. He's, he's based up in Dharamshala, yeah, in kind of northern India. So the home of the Dalai Lama. So, um, yeah, I had the pleasure of going to hear some of the Dalai Lama teachings when I was out there, which was which was pretty good. Yeah. Oh, that sounds quite magical. Yeah, really magical. And obviously you're, you're a mum as well. And do you tend to use, you find you're using your Ayurvedic um, practice and knowledge now with with the family yeah the, the interesting thing is my family are all kind of grown up now and um, so they're all kind of in their 20s and um, I think when they were kind of a bit younger kind of late teens when I was really starting to study it and I was coming home with all this great knowledge and thinking oh we need to do all this stuff they were kind of just like rolling their eyes and going yeah whatever mum but now they're kind of like in their mid-20s and they're starting to get into health and fitness and things like that. You know, they're coming to me with sprained ankles and going, oh, can Ayurveda do anything for this? Or, you know, or, you know, they've got kind of, you know, sore guts. Oh, can Ayurveda do anything for this? So, yeah, where they used to kind of take the mickey out of me before, now they're starting to take it a little bit more seriously. But I think it's, yeah, because I've been doing it in the background for my own self. And then they can, rather than trying to enforce them. So, yeah, mum always knows best. <laughs> yeah, we have the same mentor in our house, actually. Yeah, mum, Mum's a genius is often the the line I like to use. (laughs) But coming back to menopause and and this journey and the article that you wrote, actually, it just really stood out because, you know, we, we often talk about menopause, you know, whilst it feels like the conversation is getting a little bit louder, those that are aware of that conversation and in that conversation, it feels like it's getting a little bit louder, but it's still really quite a, a taboo topic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is absolutely, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I grew up in the west of Scotland, and I suspect, like most girls in the west of Scotland, when you kind of got to your, you started to kind of menstruate, you know, you, your mum just pointed you to the drawer in the bedroom where all the stuff was, and went, "You'll be fine, dear." You know that it's all kind of in there, and it was the same even kind of like through pregnancy, postnatally, and and certainly menopause. I didn't really have that conversation with my mum, and when I broached it, it was a bit like that stoical west of Scotland thing you just get on with it you know that kind of thing but that that was really I mean it was the menopause that really really switched me on to to Ayurveda to be honest because um, originally I did oh maybe about 12 years ago um, I did one of these kind of three weekend immersion courses with with somebody you probably know Caroline um, Elizabeth Roberts in the borders 
Yes. Yeah, and uh, she's a lovely Ayurvedic practitioner. And it's Elizabeth I've got to thank for, for putting me on this journey because I did that course with Elizabeth and it was really interesting. I learned lots of good things. It kind of started to put Ayurveda into a little bit of context and I started to make little changes to come out in my diet, my lifestyle, things like that. But to all intents and purposes, I opened a drawer in my head marked Ayurveda and I popped it all in there and I shut it again. I thought that'll come in handy one day. And then it kind of dipped into it when I did my yoga teacher training, we dipped into Ayurveda a little bit. But it wasn't until I was starting to experience perimenopausal symptoms and things were kind of, you know, not the way they should be or, how you know, getting a bit different. And I thought, what's going on here? Because I hadn't had that conversation with my mum. I hadn't even really had it with my friends. So I took myself off to my GP and said, what on earth is going on here? And he said, it's okay, love. Don't need to. I didn't use that language, but he said, it's all right. Don't even need to do any blood tests. You're perimenopausal. And he started to prescribe a lot of things, which which he thought was the right thing to do. But it was a lot of medical interventions. It was a lot of pills and coils. And, and, you know, let's start talking about HRT. And at that point in time, I kind of thought, well, I'm not too comfortable. I know it works for a lot of people. But to be honest, I, I think this is a process my body needs to go through. So I would rather work with my body rather than kind of, you know, not really put, put the lid on it. So I kind of thought, what can I do? What can I do? And then I thought, Elizabeth, I'll go and see Elizabeth. So I turned back to Ayurveda and I said, look, is there anything Ayurveda can do for menopause? So I worked with Elizabeth over maybe a period of about three months. And it involved changes to my diet, involved changes to my lifestyle. It involved herbs as medicine as well. And to be honest, it blew my mind how differently I felt. So I decided to explore it a little bit more. And again, I did another kind of couple of courses in the UK and got really interested in the power of herbs as medicine. So again, I did a a little herbology course, but really it just wasn't enough. And I just thought, no, I need to know more about this amazing, amazing science. So that's when I decided to kind of uh, take myself off to India. And I found Dr. Aaron. Uh, completely by accident because I typed something wrong into Google Um, because most people tend to go to south of India for Ayurveda because of Kerala and all the rest of it um, and not tend to kind of go to the north but because I typed it in wrong I found his Ayurveda Institute and I kind of thought northern India would be more akin to my kind of Scottish you know metabolism and all the rest of it so um, so I ended up there and it's just been an amazing journey absolutely amazing journey and yeah as you said in the introduction I'm just continuing to learn so yeah that's kind of how how, how I started on my my menopause journey through through Ayurveda yeah and we should probably just explain a little bit about Ayurveda. And I, I mean, I often describe it as the kind of sister science to yoga, but could, can you maybe put it in context a little bit more? Yeah, um, I mean, it's one of the oldest holistic health sciences in the world. In fact, it's probably the one that all other holistic health sciences kind of have been spawned from, like Chinese medicine, etc. Um, and it comes out of the Vedic sciences, which we know are the oldest kind of documented sciences um, in the world. And the word Ayurveda, Ayur means life, Veda means science or knowledge. So it's about the knowledge of life. And it literally is, uh, it, it, it's, it's what my, my, my Ayurveda, doctor calls the science of common sense and that's exactly it is absolutely common sense but just to maybe give a little bit of explanation about how Ayurveda kind of started out the Ayurvedic big bang theory which is probably a good place to kind of start is kind of where 
we have matter and we have consciousness. And, you know, modern physicists would probably agree with this as well. It does match what our modern science says. And basically matter and consciousness came together in a big bang. And then out of that came um, the, the, the five senses, they came the five motor systems and also came the five elements. I'm simplifying it a little bit, but that's kind of generally what happened. And then Ayurvedic scholars, they did a really, really cool thing. They took the five elements, which are space, air, fire, water and earth, and they kind of condensed them. So they took space and air and they called that vata. They took fire and water and they called that pitta. And they took water and earth and they called that kapha. And they said... Everything in the universe has these five elements in it. So everything in the universe has these three, what they call dosha. We call them constitutions is probably the closest translation. But everything has these five elements and therefore everything has these three dosha in them, including us. But it's the different combination, the different levels of each of the elements that makes me, me, you, you, a tree, a tree, a chair, a chair, that kind of good thing. So it's the kind of the densities of all of it. And then when you translate that into the human body, yeah, our species, the, the Vata person, the Vata kind of constitution is, tends to be people who are a little bit more kind of lean. Um, they tend to be quite light on their feet. They tend to be very creative people. And then the Pitta type people tend to be people who are kind of like their bodies are neither fat nor thin. They're they're very kind of fiery people. They have a lot of fire and water in them. So they're very driven, very kind of, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, very you know, strong personalities. And then the Kapha people, because of the water and earth in them, tend to be quite kind of grounded people, quite kind of solid, et cetera, et cetera. And the interesting thing about that is when we start to identify which dosha we are, yeah, and there's lots of really fun kind of quirky quizzes that you can do on the internet to kind of identify it. But when you start to associate yourself with each of the dosha, you can be a single dosha, it can be, you know, a, a dual dosha, some people can be balanced of all three. Then you start to really understand your own body and your own personality. And that's the beauty of Ayurvedic um, health science, because each of us is completely unique. You know, no, even if you've got a genetic twin, you're different because as you go through life, your jobs are different. You do different things. Your environment's different, et cetera, et cetera. You eat different things. And it's that part of Ayurveda that got me really, really interested because there is no one size kind of fits all. So when we start to look at things like the menopause, again, there is no kind of one size that fits all. But the other really interesting feature of Ayurveda, which I think is really, really relevant for this as well, is, is the concept of Agni. Um, and Agni really is at the heart of good health. You know, And again, I've listened to some of your podcasts in the past and, and you know, the, um, there was one on about nutritional science and again she was talking all about gut health and how you know it's really really important we start to kind of listen to our gut and that is the one of the fundamental essences of Ayurveda is this concept of agni of your digestive fire and if your agni doesn't work really really well then that's when health problems start to kind of you know manifest themselves and if we look back at the kind of three dosha again then vata has because of the space and air element has probably the most irregular kind of digestion pitta 
because of the fire and fire element already has Agni is the, is the Sanskrit word for fire, has the strongest kind of digestion. And kapha, because of that heavy, grounded, and watery earth, probably has the kind of most sluggish. And those kind of things start to determine how disease happens because when we have imbalances in our dosha and imbalances in our digestion, that's when Ayurveda starts to say, that's when the pathology of disease starts to kind of happen. So the concept of the dosha and prakriti are balanced and vikriti when we're imbalanced is, is the fascinating thing about Ayurvedic science. And that's what then kind of leads you into, you know, what, what happens in kind of women's health, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. So when we start to talk about, about women's health, and again, this is something that I find absolutely fascinating, and I could talk for hours, but I know we're kind of limited for time, is, is the Ayurvedic approach to women's health. So even back when we talk about what they call Ritu Chakra, which is the, the cycles of the season, so in other words, in other words, menstruation, Ayurveda classes that as a natural imbalance, a natural vikriti. So it's something that your body has to go through. And there's a whole set of protocols in Ayurvedic science that says how we should manage menstruation. And when a girl starts to menstruate in India, and it still happens in a lot of traditional houses, then the women of that house all kind of gather around and they look after that girl. She's very well looked after. She's very well nurtured. There's a lot of protocols like a woman shouldn't cook, shouldn't be in the kitchen. She should be looked after. She should take certain herbs. She should, you know, um, adhere to celibacy and things like that. And then when you get through kind of menstruation and you start to get into conception pre and postnatal. So there's another element of the science called Garbha Mata Sanskar, which looks at cleansing practices and, and herbs to take to be more fertile through to when you're pregnant, what to eat, what to do in every single month of pregnancy, through to then postnatally how you look after the woman, how you look after the baby, et cetera, right up until the baby's, you know, maybe kind of four or five years old. And the reason that's really important to understand about Ayurveda is because the, the understanding of the science tells us and the scholars preach that if you prepare well through each of the cycles of a woman's life, then you're making the next part of that cycle easier for that woman. So if you address um, uh, menstruation in, in the right way with all these protocols, then you're going to make it more likely that you'll be able to conceive a baby. And then when you conceive the baby, if you adhere to all these protocols through pregnancy, your pregnancy will be a good experience. And then that will lead to a good postnatal experience. And so we won't have see as many things. So when we were talking about uh, menopause uh, in, in our Ayurvedic training with Dr. Sharma, he was kind of rolling his eyes when I was going oh my goodness this is what we do in the west and we have all this kind of stuff and we oh you know and he was like no that doesn't really happen in India because they just don't have the same kind of issues that we seem to have in the west and I do think it's partly because of the way they treat all of the cycles of a kind of woman's life so they're well prepared for this thing called in in, in Sanskrit it's called Rajo Navriti which is kind of like the cessation of, of the kind of bleeding so, yeah, so so when you get to that kind of stage with, with menopause, again, Ayurveda starts to boil it back down to these kind of three dosha. But 
Even before that, Ayurveda kind of categorizes menopause into kind of two sections, if that can make sense. So one of them is collage, which is, is a timely menopause. In other words, your body is ready to go through the menopause. Your body is menopausal. This is your time. Let's go for it. And then there's also what they call accolage, which is untimely menopause. So that could be because of maybe environmental factors. It could be because of deformity or disease or some kind of surgery, or it could be because of emotional. So you've got callage, the timely menopause and the untimely. And depending on which one you are, whether your body's ready to go through or whether it's an untimely process for you, would depend on what Ayurveda protocols were then prescribed to you by, by your Ayurvedic kind of doctor. So it's, it's, it's a massive, massive, almost like kind of pieces of a jigsaw that you kind of put together to then understand what that individual woman needs in terms of support to kind of carry her kind of through the process. What interested me as well is the way that Ayurveda then classify symptoms, if that can, kind of, for want of a better term, kind of symptoms. So when we talk about things starting to, to, to be different in, in, in Western kind of terms, we talk about things like kind of vascular abnormalities, like, you know, the hot and cold flashes or headaches or, you know, that kind of good things. We might refer to things that go on skeletal and start to kind of classify them that way. You know, your osteopenia, you know, your dumpy legs and all these kind of things. We talk about kind of genital symptoms, so whether that's maybe, you know, thinning, you know, dry genitals, you know, that kind of good stuff, atrophy, genital atrophy, things like that. We talk about skin and tissue. We talk about sexual, libido, things like that, and psychological stress, anxiety. Ayurveda has a really kind of different way of classifying how, how what, what, what kind of menopause a woman is kind of going through. And it goes back to the dosha, back to these three constitutions, vata, pitta, and kapha. So one of the other things that I probably should mention is that the cycles, we talked about the cycles of, of a woman's life. The, 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 the three dosha guide govern the cycles of everything. So the, the three dosha govern the cycles of the day. Uh, the three go, dosha govern the cycles of the year. They also govern the cycles of life. So when uh, a child is born through to probably about puberty, when we experience our most growth, um, that's the kapha period of our life. So you, you think of your little kind of chubby baby with the good skin and things like that. Um, that's the kapha period of our life. And it's when we do our most growth and kapha governs our growth and repair system. When we then get into puberty, yeah, when our hormones are starting to kind of rage, that is us in our pitta season of life. So we're very driven. You want to study, you want to get a job, you want to get married, you want to travel, you have goals and things like that. So you become very, very driven. That's the pitta time of our life. And then when you get to kind of 50 onwards or when you start to go menopause, postmenopause, that's when you're in the vata season of your life. And the reason that's quite uh, useful to know is because the qualities of vata are cold and dry and rough and light. So when you start to think about the time of your life when you're going to towards death, to what for want of a better term, everything is starting to dry up. Everything is starting to degenerate. And that is, is, is a sign of vata. So that's why it's, the, it's that time of our life. So as things start to degenerate, we are in the kind of final phases of our life. So when we go into that season of our life, our vata dosha is already aggravated. So we have all three dosha in us. 
One of them is usually dominant. But when we get to our Vata season of life, Vata is aggravated because we're in the Vata season of our life. So when a woman goes into menopause, her Vata is already aggravated. Yeah. And that's really important to know, because if you go into into the Vata season of your life through menopause, with Vata aggravated and one of the other dosha already aggravated, it's almost like you're creating the perfect storm, if that makes sense. So if you're already imbalanced and then you go into a season where one of your dosha is naturally aggravated, then that's when things can technically kind of go wrong and we can start to, to see some of these kind of symptoms coming up. So noting what the symptoms are, according to Ayurveda, helps us to start to kind of classify the associated dosha that's imbalanced. And that's when we can identify what the best course of management is for that particular woman. Yeah, hopefully hopefully that can make sense so far. No, that's a brilliant explanation. Thank you, Maureen, because that's given us a kind of whole whole picture. And I wanted to go back to what we were just talking about, Moria, because you were talking about the cycles of life. And I, I love this, this, I guess, Ayurvedic idea or um, concept of looking after a woman's health at each, you know, each stage of their life. Because actually, we know that, you know, within the West, if you think about it in the Western society, we know if a, if a woman has led a very stressful life or traumatic life then and had some adverse life um, life experiences they are more likely to have um, more extreme symptoms particularly with hot flashes and and anxiety we also know that if a woman has had a a relatively I guess calm life you know she has looked after herself and all I mean by that is you know taking a little bit of time of self-care whether that's through nutrition and diet and movement and exercise whatever that might be the other extreme then that that woman is more likely to have a a slightly easier transition so it's, it's fascinating listening to this and having this discussion with you because it's it's echoing what we already know in the west but it feels a little bit wiser <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely that's just, just just as i said at the start this is why i quite liked it when uh, dr sharma calls this the common sense the science of common sense because it, it absolutely is it absolutely is and and i suppose if you you know just kind of going into that if if you are experiencing you know things going on in your life if you haven't been looking after yourself before you go into that kind of you know phase of your life, then absolutely that's when things are going to start to, to, to go wrong for you. Um, so the earlier we can start to engage in this conversation with women and in their kind of perimenopausal phase, then I think there's more we can do to support them to go through it. And you're absolutely right. So someone who is already vata aggravated before they go into the vata season of their life is probably likely to be the kind of person who would experience kind of nervousness, anxiety, um, because the qualities of vata are dry and cold. That's the, They're probably going to experience things like vaginal dryness. In extreme cases, we're talking about osteoporosis. So these are all kind of vata, you know, symptoms, if that kind of makes sense. You know, even into diet, they might experience constipation because, again, the different dosha have different seats in the body and vata sits in the kind of colon. And then if a woman kind of goes into to menopause where pitta is kind of aggravated. So again, pitta is, is fire and water. 
So it's got heat already in it. So if you're already pitta aggravated and then you add vata, so you're adding flames to the fire almost, if that kind of makes sense. So then you're more likely to be kind of like angry, irritable, you know, that kind of thing. Want to chew everybody's kind of face off. You're going to maybe experience these kind of hot flashes, the kind of night sweats, the skin rashes, anything that's a kind of inflammation, you know, or has heat in it is our our pitta symptoms. So that's the kind of a pitta menopause. And then in the same sense, when you are, you know, potentially um, you, you, you've not looked after yourself, you've maybe put on a little weight, you know, things like that, and you, you've got your kapha is aggravated, that's when you'll see women coming to us that are maybe experiencing weight gain, they're experiencing that sense of just heaviness, they can't quite put their finger on it, they just feel heavy, they feel lethargy, their energy levels haven't gone, even to extreme things like hypothyroidism, fluid retention, all these kind of things. So rather than looking at them in terms of like, you know, as we said before, skeletal, vascular, etc., Ayurveda looks at them in terms of the kind of dosha. But that's when an Ayurveda doctor or therapist or thing would say that the dosha diagnosis is the really, really important thing in the management of menopausal symptoms in a woman. Because there will be a diet protocol, there will be a a lifestyle protocol, there will be herbology that we can bring to the table that will be unique to that woman according to what her kind of, you know, dosha diagnosis is, if that kind of makes sense. Um, But we have to always remember that vata is always aggravated. And if vata is aggravated, you have to you have to sort that out first. And because vata is aggravated, we normally find that people's digestion doesn't work. You know, we have an irregular metabolism. So that's usually one of the first things that we have to kind of look at. We also have to then kind of look at, is there already um, toxin in the body? We call it ama. It's basically undigested substances, which could be food, could be toxins. So if there's been a buildup of that, as the woman moves moves towards that phase of her life, then we need to check because we have to get rid of ama because it doesn't matter what herbs, doesn't matter what diet you do, you have to get rid of the ama in the body to make that kind of effective. And you're already going to find, because that is aggravated, that there is going to be tissue um, uh, tissue degeneration, and I think that the only tissue that isn't going to be affected in this is 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 blood. Yeah, so we have to kind of look at all the kind of um, different kind of levels of, of the, the, the person. But it's not the end of the world. And, and you know, I'm living proof that, you know, there, there, there is kind of help out there. But it does take a little bit of, as I say, putting the pieces of a jigsaw together. A lot of, I mean, if you go for an Ayurvedic consultation, it just is like having a chat, you know, and it will be questions about your life as a child growing up, what's going on in your life now, your relationships, what job do you do? What's your daily routine? What's your exercise? And then your, your Ayurvedic doctor, practitioner, therapist will start to put all of those pieces of the jigsaw together and will come up with a plan for you based on whatever dosha is kind of imbalanced, if that makes sense. So, for example, if you are vata aggravated, so you're in the vata season of your life and you're vata aggravated, We look at the qualities of vata, which are cold and dry and light and mobile. So when we look at things like diet, we're more likely to recommend that they have a warm, nourishing diet. So no cold, hard, dry foods. So soupy foods, stews, etc., things like that. 
Um, when we're looking at exercise, then because vata is space and air, you're not going to recommend that person takes up bungee jumping or fell running because that is just going to aggravate their vata more. So you're more likely to recommend yin yoga, restorative yoga, you know, nice sun baths in nature, that kind of thing, you know, nice things that will put a lid on the kind of vata. And then you're also going to kind of look at herbs and, you know, I can't prescribe, you know, give you a list of every single herb out there, but, you know, things like ashwagandha that I'm sure you've heard of because it's in, in all the health magazines, it's an adaptogen. Ashwagandha is one of these amazing herbs that kind of does what you need it to do for you. But one of its principal functions is as an Irvine. So it will help with the anxiety. It will help with insomnia, which are, you know, primarily kind of vata kind of symptoms. And then there's things like if you're experiencing heart palpitations, which I know some of my friends get, then there's things like Arjuna, you know, a really good herb as well. And even simple things like, like garlic, which kind of open up the channels, open up the shrotas. And, and so that can help with things like joint pain, again, which are a, a big symptom of kind of vata aggravation. And then if you're kind of thinking, well, no, I'm kind of more of a, you know, I'm experiencing more of a kind of pitta type menopause. So again, this is all about heat in the body. So all of the protocols will be to get heat, get heat out of the body. So you're going to recommend, first of all, that in terms of diet, that person takes heat out of their diet. So they get they knock the Scotch bonnet chilies on the head, you know, they knock the, you know, the, the the really strong curries and things like that. And they start to avoid really heating kind of spicy foods. So we would look at things like cooling spices like coconut and, and you know and things like that, coconut milks. And again, there's an Ayurvedic protocol for eating. So flavors such as sweet, bitter, and astringent are really good. Or calming kind of pizza, we would say pizza. So we would say, you know, go for leafy green vegetables and things like that. So there's lots of advice that can be given to people about their diet. And the same with, you know, with lifestyle. Again, if we look at this in terms of yoga practice, then it's not going to be hot yoga. It's not going to be, you know, do an hour and a half of strong ashtanga practices. Again, it's going to be practices that make the pitta person feel like they've done some exercise, but they don't build heat in the body, if that kind of makes sense. And again, you would probably recommend restorative and, you know, again, to get into meditation and, and, and some cooling pranayama, maybe, you know, you'll know all this, Caroline, Shitali and things like that to kind of, you know, just put a lid on the heat. And again, there's huge amounts of herbs out there. One of, my, one of the ones that I took because I was um, experiencing a, a pitta-type menopause was licorice. I found licorice was amazing, yeah, because it is a, it's a cooling kind of herb and it's delicious and you can make tea with it and you can do everything with it. Coriander is an incredibly cooling spice, so I found myself, you know, put, putting coriander in absolutely everything. But there are kind of what they call churna, which are mixtures of herbs that your Ayurvedic doctor could recommend to you as well. And then if you were experiencing a kind of kapha type menopause, again, this is lethargy, the kind of heaviness, the sleepiness, maybe kind of you know retaining water again your diet you're going to say right okay we have to lighten the diet and if you look at the qualities of kapha dosha then they are cold same as vata but they're oily because of the fire you know the fire element they are heavy they're kind of grounded they're kind of dull so you want something that's going to boost your digestion and boost the kind of energy levels in that person so you're going to look at things lightening the diet 
heating foods, you know, warm foods, you know, Ayurveda doesn't like cold, doesn't like cold, but you're going to like, you want to warm, warming kind of foods, um, things that will stimulate your digestion. So again, things like, you know, um, hot spice, not, not hot spice, but yeah, you would have hot kind of hot spicy foods to kind of get the digestion going. And in terms of avoiding heavy foods, obviously we're going to recommend to everybody that you avoid, you know, processed foods, any kind of kind, because they're, they're not good. But particularly things like um, in, in terms of kapha dosha, you're going to want to make sure that you don't have really kind of heavy, difficult to digest things like, you know, cheddar cheese, stuff like that, you know, that are, are, are going to be difficult and, and put a lid on our kind of digestion. But this is where, you know, the Ayurveda kind of comes into its own because there are a huge plethora of herbs out there that will stimulate acne, that will stimulate the digestion and help to kind of move things through. And obviously, you're going to recommend to somebody who's experiencing a kapha type of menopause that they have to get moving. They absolutely have to get some kind of exercise into their kind of routine. And so you are going to recommend that they maybe do some brisk walking every day. They maybe do some more kind of energetic kind of yoga, you know, five surya namaskars in the morning, salute to the suns, that kind of good stuff. Even simple things like coffee are going to be good for somebody who's kapha to kind of give them that kind of lift. But I would kind of caveat all of that by saying that although and now you can go into most kind of health food stores. I mean, in India, there's a, you know, an Ayurvedic pharmacy on every street corner and you can go into most health food stores nowadays and you can buy all these herbs. But I would caveat with that with saying that you really should speak to somebody um, and get a proper kind of diagnosis before because these are these herbs are medicine and they also have kind of contraindications. So there's one herb that I haven't mentioned, but I'm about to, called Shatavari, which is one of the herbs of choice in, in Ayurveda. But it's not for everybody. Um, and I do get a little bit worried when I see that popping up in health magazines, like oh, this wonder herb shatavari, because it is an estrogenic herb. So if you have a familiar history of estrogenic diseases, particularly things like breast cancer, then you shouldn't be taking shatavari. So I would highly recommend that that you do speak to, you know, a therapist practitioner or, you know, herbologist before you start to kind of take these herbs to make sure that, you know, there, there aren't any kind of contraindications. But on top of that, back to the whole, you know, looking after yourself kind of thing is is the Ayurvedic treatments, you know, and this is the kind of, you know, almost like a kind of spa element. So again, I know that when you go to places like India, there are Ayurvedic spas and that's what they are, but these are really medical kind of treatments. So someone who is vata aggravated and a vata menopause, you're going to recommend that they have oily massages, Abhyanga is the the Ayurvedic massage, using lovely warming medicated oils. But somebody who's kapha aggravated, those warming medicated oils will aggravate kapha. So you want dry powder massage. And if you're experiencing anxiety, there's beautiful treatments like Shirodhara and, you know, a whole plethora of things. But it's not a one and done. It has to be worked in with the diet, with the lifestyle, with the herbs, with the treatments and work with somebody who can almost do a little bit of kind of trial and error. 
Some things will work, some things won't work. But that Ayurvedic prescription is going to be absolutely unique to you. And I think that's that's what I find fascinating about this science. It was really interesting. You were talking about the the, the kind of the pra- the other practices you can do. So when you know you often look at movement and diet, nutrition, um, and you, you've mentioned Agni as well, Maura. The kind of digestive fire that we we don't want it to burn too much, and we don't want it to dampen down. We want to this um, gut, our gut health well, well managed, well looked after. And something I've done for quite a few years now is had warmer water or just not ice cold water and I'm I'm pretty sure that came from an Ayurvedic practitioner and actually it's something I it was a, a workshop I'd done um, as a practitioner from Ed, um, from India and this is what we did we had our, our early morning sunrise practice and then we had some warm water and it wasn't it wasn't hot it was just sort of room temperature and it was you know the idea was that you're not dampening your agony you're not dampening the fire giving the i guess the body too much of a shock yeah and so i was going to ask you about that as well because it's something that we don't talk about very much and we're we're often told to hydrate well through Mm -hmm. our day yeah no absolutely no no that's part of what ayurveda calls dinicharya um, which is the daily routine, which is a really, really important facet of, of Ayurvedic good health, is having this kind of daily routine. So again, the way Ayurveda works is with our circadian rhythms. So Ayurveda recommends that we get up for this magic hour before sunrise and that we go to bed, you know, be, you know, at kind of sunset. And I suppose that kind of fits in with when you think of when the Ayurvedic texts were written, we didn't have light. We didn't have feet. So when it was dark, you went to sleep. When it was starting to get light that hour before sunrise, you got up. So that's kind of where that comes from. So if you imagine when you wake up in the morning, if you've um, if you've eaten Ayurvedically the day before, then your body has had a chance through the night to digest all the food. Um, we kind of call the hours between 10 at night and 2 in the morning the pitta hours, and then we move into the vata hours, 2 to 6, and then 6 to 10 are the kapha hours. Remember I said that the, everything goes in cycles. So if you have you know, eaten Ayurvedically the day before, then your body between those pitta hours will have a time to finish digestion and do its detoxification kind of process because one of pitta's seats is in the liver. So that when you wake up in the morning, you kind of feel like all the food from the day before has been digested, but it's time to wake the digestion up. So if you think of Agni as as the concept of fire, but also the kind of, you know, the biggest manifestation of fire is the sun. So when you wake up in the morning, the sun is just starting to kind of get going. It's just starting to come up. So your digestive fire is just starting to kind of kick in as well. And by taking that drink of warm water, you're just starting to wake everything up, if that makes sense. And then Ayurvedic protocol would suggest then that you go and you do, you have your, your Ayurvedic massage, you, you clean your teeth. Or again, there's a whole kind of protocol around that. You do your, your exercise, so you're, you know, 20 suits to the sun, so you're in a mascara or whatever your kind of morning exercise is, go for a walk. And then you have your breakfast and your body will be ready for that breakfast. You should feel hunger. You should feel your digestive fire. And then that kind of carries through the day. So it's a really, really important part of the, the Ayurvedic kind of daily, daily routine. I, I love the idea of this being quite a, a holistic approach um, to, to the menopause, because Karen and I often talk about, you know, as you have mentioned, there isn't a one size fits all and everything is very um, woman specific and yet there are so many ways to manage the menopause aren't there and 
that, that this holistic idea of, of really looking at looking at your health in general, looking at your diet, looking at your lifestyle, but looking about how your body composition is, is made is, is really refreshing, actually, because we know from Western medicine that we can't underestimate diet and lifestyle enough in, in helping women alleviate some of those symptoms. So it's really nice to be able to kind of bring Western and Eastern medicine together once again and know that actually they can coexist, they can work together. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, and, and that was very, very strong in the, in the kind of training that I did because um, Dr. Sharma was a Western trained doctor um, he comes from a lineage of Ayurvedic doctors, but was encouraged to go into Western medicine because there's more money in it. And then he worked in a really busy hospital um, in Mumbai. He was doing very long hours, very, very stressful job. And he basically experienced burnout and he had an autoimmune disease. And he decided to go back to Ayurveda and have a look at that again and then kind of train. But all through our training, because of his Western kind of training as well, He's very, very much believes the two. It's not a one or done. It's not one or either. There's no right. There's no wrong. They should work together. So he was very, very much of the the belief. And I, I totally agree with him. And I think that's why I've kind of stuck with them because you have lots of teachers in your life, but you find one that kind of, you know, that, that sings to you. And that's what I totally believe that I, I would not. Uh, say that HRT is not good because it's a it's a processed medicine and it's chemicals and da 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 da. I wouldn't say that because I think for some women it does work. It genuinely works and that's good for them. But it can be used with Ayurveda, with herbs, with the whole kind of you know the therapies around it, the diet, the lifestyle changes to work in harmony with kind of Western medicines. So no, absolutely, I, I totally agree with you, Blair. And actually, I was just going to mention as well, Maury, that you're um, a member of the Ayurvedic Professionals Association in the UK. And is that somewhere you can direct people? We can direct people to find a, an Ayurvedic practitioner in their area or local to them in the UK. Absolutely, yes, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a really good association. Um, I'd encourage people to go and have a look at the website um, because they do organise a lot of kind of webinars and things that the people will find generally interesting. I don't think there's been any lately on menopause, but yeah, they, they do have some really good um, webinars that you don't have to be a, an Ayurvedic practitioner or member to, 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 to view. Um, but yes, they have a really good kind of search facility. So you can put in your area, you know, there's a, you know, a, you know, with a, whatever distance you're willing to kind of travel and then find, um, doctors but even if you if you wanted to look at something specific you said I want somebody who specializes in menopause then you know they're very open to people just kind of getting in touch with them um, and asking if there are any kind of specialists in the country because in this digital age you don't necessarily have to see somebody face to face it's ideal you know because there's a lot of things in in a, a diagnosis in Ayurveda where you have to see the person we have to see the, the, the take the pulse. We have to look at the tongue because they tell us a lot about, about the body and, and what dosha is kind of out of balance and whether there's ama in the body, et cetera. But, you know, is you know, we, we have just come through COVID and, and we can do things digitally. So absolutely, um, I'd recommend that um, everybody kind of goes on and has a wee look on the website. And obviously your website as well, yogawithmora.co.uk. So you can find out a little bit about Moira and the work she's doing. And you're based in the borders in Scotland, and, and but available online as well, doing, doing yeah, kind of online consultations. Yeah. Yes, I have embraced the digital age. We're going to have to pause there. I know I think we could have gone on for another couple of hours, as often is the case with our guests. But thank you so much, Moira, for joining us and sharing my your pleasure. wisdom and knowledge. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> my pleasure. And thanks for doing such a great job. I mean, it's an absolutely fantastic 
programme. So um, I'll keep listening in and I'll highly recommend that everybody else does as well. 